0: So we are beginning a new sermon series. It is entitled, Because God Has No Grandchildren. This is from a guy who got two grandkids in a week. But, but the truth of it is, God has no grandchildren. Each one of us is a child of God. Even our children are a child of God. The truth of it is, each one of us must find our own way the faith in Jesus ourselves now it surely helps if you have a church-going family and you get introduced to it as a young child but the truth of it is God does not have a single grandchild in the universe now you may I've had some Jewish friends and Jewish people will tell you I am Jewish because my parents were Jewish The the next question, if you run into a Jewish person that's claiming I'm Jewish, is are you practicing? Are you a practicing Jew? Because they're really using Jewish as sort of a heritage, even though it's a faith, it's also a heritage. But they're really not grandchildren of God either. And I think I shared with you once, um, when I was in seminary, we had 12 United Methodist pastors from Russia come to visit the seminary and i was their tour guide for a week and it was like 12 adults two of whom spoke english and it was very much like herding cats took them to a walmart one of them said how many cereals do you need it was really an interesting time i learned how to say hey everybody get on the bus in russian but now i've forgotten I haven't used it in a while. Don't have much cause for Russian. But I had this really interesting conversation with one of the pastors that spoke English actually quite very well. And she was telling me that a Russian will claim to be a Christian because they're Russian. So the, the Orthodox Church of Russia sort of lays claim to all the people of Russia. And so a Russian, if you ask them, are you a Christian, will say, of course I'm a Christian. I'm a Russian. So in Russia, if you're a a practicing Christian, you're called a believer. Oh, I'm a believer. So it's just really an interesting perspective. And, you know, that's as close as you would have, I think, as a grandchild for God is somebody who's just claiming it like the Jewish person because it's their heritage. The truth of it is, God does not have grandchildren. we are all children of God." And Paul tells us a little something about that in the book of Romans. Here are these words from Paul. It's the eighth chapter uh, verses 14 through 17. "For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption." When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs heirs with Christ. If in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Paul makes it clear, we are all children of God. There is a spirit Of adoption and that we get to call God Father. He he uses the word Abba. It's really a much more familiar word. It's like Daddy. I mean, we as as followers of Jesus get to call God the Father Daddy. That's that's really what Abba means. It's this much more familiar understanding. God is our father. We are adopted by God, but not only are we his children, but we are his heirs, which means we are an inheritor. We are an inheritor of the grace that Jesus has provided for us, that the grace that God has given to us. We are all children of God, and God has not one grandchild. So one of the things that leadership asked of me when I came was to take some time uh, to review sort of our mission and our vision, which really defines who we are. And and so um, one of the things that was very clear to me, because I used to do VCI when I got here, um, there, there was a bunch of what we call this really insepid disease called vision fatigue, We're tired of talking about it. We don't want to talk about it anymore. And so when I realized that this was the course for our leaders and for our regular congregants, I got a little sneaky. And so you may recall I had some Zoom meetings with all the Sunday school classes, with all the small groups. Some of my questions that I had for you were sort of leading to what this mission and vision might look like. Early January this year, we had a leadership retreat. And we had a bunch of questions for them from uh, about sort of our mission and vision and what are we good at and what do we love. And then we put together a small team of lay leaders, lay staff, lay leaders and staff, small group. We did some brainstorming and we did some talking, lots of praying, Uh, several meetings later, uh, we came up with what our mission statement is going to be. We then took it to our administrative council uh, they unanimously approve both our mission and our vision, and I want to share that with you now. So we're going to start with the mission because this is what we do. This is what we are about. Our mission is to enrich the lives of children and families by leading you to live, love, and serve like Jesus. Our mission its what we're about. Because God has no grandchildren, what we are about is telling children about Jesus. Because God has no grandchildren, our job is to enrich the lives of children and families in our community by showing them God's grace and love in action. So, our mission is who we are, it's what we do. Now, you may remember, some of you, that we had this whole thing, connect, grow, go. We're going to continue to use that, because that's the how. That's the how we are going to accomplish this mission. We're going to connect people to God and to each other. We're going to grow in spiritual depth and growth, and we're going to grow in number, and we're going to go out, and we're going to serve our community. So connect, grow, and go is still a part of who we are. It's the how we are going to accomplish this mission of enriching the lives of children and family. This next one is the vision. And it's sort of the bigger one. I'm kind of going at them backwards because I wanted to give you the what. And with our vision... It's sort of aspirational, really. It's what our community will look like if we accomplish this mission of enriching the lives of children and families by leading you to live, love, and serve like Jesus. Can we have the vision slide, please? Our vision... And this is what happens when we accomplish our mission, when we're starting to accomplish our mission, is a vibrant Lake Houston community transformed through a deep love of God and neighbor. What this vision statement is saying to us is if we accomplish our mission, we're gonna change our community. Our community is gonna be better because we're accomplishing our mission. I know some of you are going, ah, I'm tired of hearing about all this mission and vision stuff. But the truth is, it defines us. It's who we are. And I will tell you from my time as VCI director, I'll go from church to church to church to church. And the churches that are accomplishing their mission and their vision, they grow. They make a difference in their community. And churches that don't know what they're doing, don't know where they're going, are just opening their doors on Sundays, throwing out a few Bible studies. They die. Or stagnate. Why this is important is because it helps define who we are. Our ministries are held up to this litmus test. Is it helping us to enrich the lives of children and family in our area? Or is it helping us to live, love, and serve like Jesus? I know that you might be tired of hearing about it, but it's important. Because God has no grandchildren. And I don't know if you've noticed, but this church has been about enriching the lives of children and families For 35 years. This this mission statement is really nothing new. It's who we are. It's what we do. God has no grandchildren, so what we do for children in our community matters. It's helping them find their own way to faith in Christ. Oh, and by the way, Jesus had lots to say about children as well. So we're going to look at a text, and this one comes from Luke, but it occurs almost verbatim in both Matthew and Mark as well. Except that um, in those two versions of it, they're bringing small children forward. In Luke, they say even infants— which is a bit unusual for the time. So let's take a look at that text. It's Luke 18, verses 15 through 17. People were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they sternly ordered them not to do it. But Jesus called for them and said, Let the little children come to me and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a child, as a little child, will never enter it. So it was one one of the customs of the time was to bring a one-year-old to the presence of a rabbi. Um, They were kind of like looking for like sort of the rock star rabbi, the the one who's like the really renowned teacher. And and you would bring this one-year-old to the rabbi to have them blessed and that's probably some of what was going on here is that people were bringing their children to Jesus for Jesus to bless them but in Luke it's a little bit different because they're even bringing infants little tiny babies to come forward and the disciples try to stop them they're like no Jesus is too busy for you and so to me, the question is, if Jesus is all about let the little children come to me, why do the disciples try to stop them? And so there, scholars have a, a couple of speculative, because it's just speculative, work on why. What One scholar in particular, and, and something that you need to know about the Gospel of Luke, is there is a very distinct turning point in the Gospel of Luke chapter 9 verse 51 it says jesus then turned his face towards jerusalem and the whole rest of luke is about his journey to jerusalem to the cross he's already told the disciples i have to die i have to go to jerusalem and die on the cross and so this scholar thinks that the disciples stopped them because Jesus was, like, worried. He was uptight. He was facing the cross. So, so much like you might protect your spouse, like, no, leave Daddy alone. He's had a really hard day. He speculates that the disciples were like, uh no, Jesus is having a really hard week. Just let him be. There's another scholar many other scholars, actually. Take a look at the, the status of children as it relates to men in that world. So it was a very patriarchal time, right? It was a man's world. And, and little children belonged to the women's world. And the women didn't mix much in the man's world. And so the status went like um, women, children, servants, donkeys. Children were really low in the status of this. They're not venerated like we venerate our children now. And so this author speculates that it's because of the low status of children that the disciples said, stop. Don't bother Jesus. And basically they're saying, don't bother Jesus with something so trivial, so small. So it is not insignificant that Jesus says, let them come to me. And then he goes on to say, it's to these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. And then he makes this statement. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. I don't know about you, but that scares me. I mean, I left my five-year-old self way behind. My wife might tell you I'm just a big, fat kid, but what does that mean? You have to be like a child to enter the kingdom. Now, there's two ways that, that scholars interpret this. The first is exactly that, that you have to be like a child. You have to have like a childlike faith to enter the kingdom of God. I mean, children are much more trusting than us. They're they're much more welcoming of the truth as it's told to them. So so that's one possible meaning. But but another interpretation of, of what this means is that you have to receive the kingdom of God as you would receive a child. That's an interesting perspective. As you would receive a child. I mean, how do you receive a child that comes into your presence? I mean, I try to smile. I try to talk to them. I try to engage them. What, what does it mean for us to receive the kingdom of God as we receive a child? You, you've got these two possibilities, and the truth of it is I think it's a lot of both. Both. I think both of these have merit and I think it is important that we are able to receive like a child. I think it's also important that we can receive it as if we are receiving a child as well. So Luke says in the ninth chapter, verse 48, whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For the least among all of you is the greatest. Now the disciples had been quibbling about who was the greatest. I'm a better disciple than you. Oh, Leanne, I'm a way better disciple than you. Not true, by the way. And you know what Jesus does? He picks up this small child. And he says, You welcome this child You welcome me you welcome this child and you only not welcome me but the one who sent me and he goes on to remind the disciples that the least among you is the greatest so I think the author of Luke had this sort of second meaning more in mind that we have to receive the kingdom of God as if we would receive a child children are important to Jesus i love that verse when you receive this child when you welcome this child you welcome me not only me but the one who sent me you know i think somehow somehow this particular verse got integrated into the dna of this church when it was created 35 years ago it's what you have spent 35 years doing. I mean, you've got the weekday learning center. You have 400 children a week coming into this building and the other building learning about Jesus. Yes, they're learning reading and writing and other skills, but they learn about Jesus. We might be the only place that they learn about that. And then we're involved in kids' hope, where we're mentoring kids. We've got family promise, where we're trying to help make families stronger and help make the circumstances of children's lives better. I mean, you look at the ministries of our church. We got the most ginormous vacation Bible school in the area. Got Saturday's Child, where we try to feed the hungry this mission statement that we have to enrich the lives of children and family and lead you to live, love, and serve like Jesus, it is nothing new, people. It's not like your leadership is going, oh, we're going in a new direction, it's us. This this mission that we have adopted is what we have been doing for 35 years and doing it well. We can do more. We can be better. We have a clear mission before us to make the lives of children and family better. And along the way, we're gonna teach you to live, love, and serve like our Lord Jesus. We have to do this Because God has no grandchildren. It's through us that the children of this community will learn about the love and the grace of God. So Let's go out from this place, and let's share God's love with all that we meet. We can make a, lot, a difference in the lives of the children and families in our community and they can come to know God's grace through us. Let us pray. Gracious God, there are so many children in our community. Help us to reach out in love and concern to them. Help them find us. Help them to experience through us the love of Jesus and the love of God. Let them experience through us grace and forgiveness and love and acceptance. Father, we want to make a difference in this community for you, for your kingdom. Help us, go with us as we do so in the coming weeks and months For we have found your amazing grace and we want to share it with our community. We pray this in Jesus' holy name, amen.